everyone, and welcome to The Art of Podcasting, episode 11, How to Be a Podcast Host, recorded April 29th, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. This week, we're going to answer a listener question about what it takes to be a podcast host. And I was looking for the listener who posed that question and couldn't find it. So, anonymous listener, thank you. I don't remember who you are. Um, first off, before we go any farther, uh, I want to uh, wish a happy birthday to our very own Steve Cherubino of HowToPodcast.biz. Hey, Steve. Yay. Hey, Mark. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. You're, uh, what, 75 today? You know, I thought I was 38, but my brother told me I'm 37. So, I was like, shoot, <laughs> thank God. What's it say on your license? I'm 37. Yeah, okay. It's confirmed. That's funny. You really didn't know that? I didn't. I did not. Today at, at dinner, they took me out to dinner, and he's, they're like, how old are you? I'm 38. I'm like, I'm kind of bummed out. I'm like, and they're like, well, no, you're 37. So uh, that made my day. <laughs> <laughs> Does that extra, extra year actually make that big a difference? Yeah, I guess it kind of did. All right. And also joining us this week is, uh, as usual, but not from his usual location, is Mr. James the Professor Messer of ProfessorMesser.com. Hey, James. There is nothing usual about this week, is there? <laughs> not a thing. Well, in fact, that is sort of usual. The The unusuality is usual. Let me move around in my chair and make it squeak some more before we really get going here. <laughs> Here we go. Pick up some things. This is on my uh, mobile. I am I am not in my studio. I am mobile, so I'm using the little square mic, which actually is a really nice mic, easy to set up. It sounds really good, but it is a condenser mic, and it picks up every possible thing in the room. So I'll make sure I mute out while I'm moving things around the room uh, when I'm not talking. But uh, otherwise, going quite nicely, I think. And for those of you watching live, he is not uh, broadcasting video, so we just have his smiling face in still form tonight. Sorry about that. It's, you know, someone might even say it's an improvement. So uh, we're uh, recording a little later, almost an hour later than normal, uh, which was interesting because both Steve and I had it in our heads that we were supposed to do that for James, but James didn't remember that. So we made accommodations for him, and he was wondering why we were late. <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciate everything that you're doing. <laughs> it was for a good cause, though. We James was supposed to go to a party, and he missed the party, so it's even even worse. Well, I know it it could not have possibly been a party because I don't get invited to parties. I don't like parties. I don't really like people. So, in the big scheme of things, I, I don't know what I was thinking. So that's the takeaway from the show. Professor Messer doesn't with. like people. <laughs> I think that's 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 pretty much what I'm trying to say. <laughs> On the face of it, it sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? And yet there it is. And yet one of the things we're going to talk about is that a podcast host really needs to be a people person. So uh, that'll Get be interesting. Get along with people, sure. So, so. <laughs> Just don't like them. The takeaway here is what in the world am I going to say this time? Yeah, well, I wonder that literally every week. I never know what it is. The, the professor is going to say. Oh, we'll get through it. It's fine. It, in the, the big scheme, I, I looked at my schedule. I definitely did not have anything scheduled tonight, so I'm glad we were able to do this. Awesome. Welcome from, uh, from Messer Studios West. Very West. San Francisco West. So uh, what did you do today that our listening audience might be interested in hearing about? And not me. That. I didn't do anything. Oh, okay. 
All right, so moving no, right along. I came out actually of a, a, it's a business trip. It all starts tomorrow, but I came out a day early so I could visit Twit this week in tech. They're the Twit studios that are in Petaluma. And I uh, hung out there and watched the live, the tech guy show, which, uh, which airs live, which is produced. It's really produced out of LA, I think, or just outside of LA. But of course, uh, the, the studio there in Petaluma is where they actually host the show. So I got to sit in on that. All right. So how many people were there in the studio audience? Well, not many. I, I planned this out. Uh, I was out here on business anyway. So the date was kind of set. But I learned uh, last week, Leo isn't in the country. He's actually somewhere, somewhere in Europe right now. So it was not Leo Laporte live doing his tech show, but sitting in for him was Scott Wilkinson, who is the, uh, the home theater geeks guy. And, um, so it was really an entire day full of home theater and audio and video type uh, Q and a with the callers there, but it was nice to be in the studio, watch the goings on, get a feel of the technology behind what they're doing. Um, you know, you see it on the stream, but you really can't appreciate where the lights are mounted and how they use the technology behind the scenes. So that part was pretty interesting. So, uh, go ahead, Mark. Sorry. Well, I, they do that. They stream that on, on twit live, right? Even though it's an audio radio show. Right. So you can watch it live in video. And of course, if you're watching, you don't get the normal um, go to commercial like you do. If you're listening to the radio, you get to see what's happening behind the scenes. And uh, Scott's very interactive. He likes to talk to people in the chat room, answer questions on the breaks. So it's kind of nice to, to see all the things going on. And of course, the producers there at Twit, uh, Jammer B, and they've got other folks that are there working on uh, commercials and drop-ins and other pieces that are there. So it was, uh, it was nice to see the side of it that you, you don't see outside of the camera. Were you surprised, James, of how they do it, or was it what you expected, or was it something you learned, or how how did how was the you know the general impression of what was going on there compared to what you thought it was going to be like? Well, one of the nice things I think that that Leo has done, if anything, is he's very transparent, not only about the business and what he is doing with it, but he's very transparent about all of the different things that they use there. So their wiki um, at um, live or twit.tv there's a wiki there that he documents everything that he uses so already walking in the door you know what kind of mixer he's using you know what kind of cameras they have you know what type of microphones they're using and headphones and all the way down to the type of cables they're using and so that part of course wasn't a surprise but i wanted the scope of how do you put it all together at that scale because we're talking about a very large studio we're talking about three or four different sets that are there, each one with a different style and a different flavor. And I wanted to get a feel for some of the things that you can't see in in the, the live stream, like where the lights are and um, what what is under the table that you can't see because the camera doesn't go down there, that kind of thing. And did you have any uh, specific takeaways from that? I have a few, yes. We'll talk about one near the end of things you learned this week. Um, okay. But what one of the things that that I just found remarkable about it is it's it's so well put together. Um, they really have learned over time what works for them 
and, and works perfectly for what they're trying to do. One of the things from somebody who does a lot of video, one of the things that always impresses me is whenever you watch that network and they're doing something out of the Twit studios, it really looks good. Um, the lighting is just gorgeous. And the, the way they've done the accent on the lighting, the different colors and the different things they use is quite remarkable. So it was nice to get the details up close and personal about how they went about putting all of that together. And, and it was quite a feat. There is a lot there. A lot of work went into building that studio out. A lot of thought went into where different lights are and how they're set up. It was really nice to see that and get a feel for that because, of course, I, I have my own video studio and I'm doing things a certain way. So in some ways, I got validation that, oh, yes, you're using the right things, you're doing the right pieces to make that happen. And I was able to get a few different ideas. And hopefully I can take some of those ideas and use them in my next studio build whenever that might be someday. Yeah, so uh, the Steve, you were there at the old uh, Twit Cottage, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that was uh, just a room that was turned into an audio studio and then later retrofitted for video. The The Twit Brick House was built from the ground up really to be a TV station, TV studio, and audio is, is uh, uh, almost secondary to that. So it's interesting to uh, – I, I would be interested to have you two compare notes sometime and see you know what changed from when you were there. That would be interesting. I would I would have liked to be there when they built the new studio that James saw, but right. I'll get there eventually. Yeah, and I don't ever travel anywhere outside of my commute to work, so I'll never be there. <laughs> so, Someday. All right, so moving on to the topic at hand. Uh, basically, there was an email or a forum post. I don't remember which, and I can't find it, so I apologize for that. Uh, where a listener said, basically, what do I need to do to be a podcast host? You guys have talked about uh, equipment and you've talked about technique, but what about the person behind the mic? And I thought that was a great question because, um, well, let me let me ask the question. Uh, guys, can anybody be a podcast host? We'll start with you, Steve. I think that everybody who wants to should try and they might find out that they might not be great, they might not like it or they might be awesome. People might love them and it might be a career for them. You never know until you try. So I think that everybody who has interest an interest in it should definitely, definitely try. And some people are going to be better than others. But even if you don't do everything uh, great uh, per the people watching or you make mistakes or whatever, you're still a podcast host if you want to be a podcast host. And uh, if you if you enjoy doing it, then just do it. James, any comments? Well, if the question is, can anyone be a podcast host? I think we prove week after week that that absolutely cannot be possibly be the case. Um, clearly, clearly, we're stumbling along sometimes and wondering, what, what is this thing that we are doing? It, it is not something that comes easily. Um, and, and I was thinking about this as we were planning this today. Is I, I was going back in my mind to when I first started uh, doing this type of thing. And my first foray into communicating to people over some type of medium was starting with video. I didn't do um, audio podcasts. I don't have a background in broadcasting. I've I've never really sat in front of just a microphone and talked. My first one was more at a corporate level of creating videos that would be distributed internally um, to, to demonstrate different things, different pieces of software, different aspects of technology, whatever it happened to be. And it was putting me on a screen and me talking to the camera. 
really, really extremely difficult to do the first time. So, uh, and, and if I think back to those days, it was just horrible. If I think back to how good that turned out, the answer was not at all. It was awful. And um, I, I like to think that now, after putting together the hours and hours and hours of video that we've done, that I've at least gotten a little bit better with that, that, that you become a little bit more comfortable with that. And we'll talk about some of those techniques and things um, as we go through the podcast today. But I really do think that anybody could be a podcaster and get the points across. I think it is a constantly moving bar and you're having to constantly improve on the things that you are doing. I think it's absolutely possible. Yeah, we have a, a comment in the chat room, uh, Annoyance, uh, great name, uh, says, uh, so audio is easier. Uh, get audio is easier uh, because there's, there's, you know, technically it's easier, but I think in terms of the performance aspect of it, it's not really any easier or any harder. That's my opinion of it. I think you're right on the money that you put a microphone in front of somebody's face here. If you've ever done this, you just stick a microphone and say, tell me about yourself and everything stops, you know, oh my gosh, there's a microphone. I have to now think about what I am going to say into that microphone. Um, it doesn't, nobody's natural. It, it's not easy to do. It's the same thing when you're in front of a camera. Right. So on the, the technical side of things, Audio is easier. It's easier to oh, clean yeah. up. It's easier to edit. Uh, you don't it, have it, to shave. You can wear whatever <laughs> shirt you want. Yep. Right. No makeup. Absolutely. But in terms of the skills necessary to be a good communicator, it doesn't really matter what the medium is. And But there are some people who you put a mic in front of their face or you put a camera on them and they just turn on. And that's, their, that's their comfort zone. And they just love to perform and entertain. So there's all kinds of people out there different skills, different levels of confront. Yeah, see, that's a, that was always been me. I, I am a performer. Uh, I like to have the attention of everybody around me. In fact, I, I can be pretty darn annoying uh, uh, in that situation where I, uh, <laughs> you know, if there are a group of people around, I will do something or say something to make sure they're all looking at me. Uh, that's just, you know, I am that guy. Uh, some people shrink when when uh, spotlight is on them. And so for those people to be a podcaster will be more challenging. Yeah, but podcasting is a very intimate medium, so you can do that. You can be quiet and reserved and draw people into you. You don't have to be big and loud and boisterous and 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 be projecting everything. And I think audio is easier in that respect uh, than video. Uh, in that video tends to have to be more demonstrative, but uh, with audio you can really be intimate and draw people in. You just have to find your way to do it. I agree. And another thing about podcasting is you don't, you're, when you do perform and you are on, there are not live people in your studio looking at you. There's that whole factor of nervousness does not exist where True. you're not up on a stage. You know, you can, you can kind of hide behind your mic if you want. So it, it is definitely easier than like performing on Broadway or something like that. Right. So uh, let's just talk a little bit about some of the basic fundamental skills that somebody needs to succeed at this. I, I, I don't want to say that you need anything to be a podcaster. Anybody can podcast, but to be, to be successful, to do it well, um, there are a few things that you're going to, to need to do. And these are just some things I wrote down off the top of my head, and I'm sure the other two guys will contribute as we go along. But if you are the sole person in charge of things, uh, you have to be a good multitasker. 
If you're doing what I'm doing right now and you're recording and you're reading notes and you're watching a live stream and you're watching a recording and you're, you're doing all this sort of stuff, multitasking is critical. If you have the benefit of just being somebody who gets called up and just talks, that's less important. But uh, if you're going to be the guy driving the podcast, you must be able to focus on multiple things at once and make it seem easy. Yeah. I mean, I can put my two cents in and I'm curious to see what James has to say about it. I think in a, it's unfortunate that if you do want to be a podcast host, I think it's unfortunate that you have to multitask because it would be great to have your undivided attention on the show and on your guest. That's what I kind of go for. Um, of course, I have all kinds of things going on. There's a live chat room, which I, I'm sorry to say, I neglect a lot of times during the show because I, I try to put 100% of my attention on the guests so I can listen to what they're saying and carry on a rational conversation. I mean, I've seen shows where people are doing, literally doing other things while their guests are talking or while the show's going on and they're not involved. And when the conversation comes around to them, it's disjointed. It, it's not. It's not flowing. It, it doesn't work as a conversation. So, unfortunately, you do have to multitask if you're a one man show. It gets and it gets a lot easier. But it, that is practice. I mean, that was one of the hardest things for me is being able to put on a full show with my undivided attention at the show while I was doing everything else. And uh, eventually, you can do it. But it, it's hard to start off that way if you have a billion things going on and you're trying to do a show. But it can be done. I was really envious today at Scott Wilkinson when because he uh, would come back from a, um, a commercial break in his ear. They would tell him, make sure you do the uh, commercial there coming in from the break. And he'd do his this uh, this uh, part of the tech guy is brought to you by and he'd do his piece. Then he'd say, let's go to Fred on line one. And he's already seen that Fred is there and he knows exactly what Fred's going to talk about. And Fred does his question. He does a couple of those. The little noise goes in his ear, actually to a minute to 40 seconds before it was done, he would get a talk back in his ear from the studio in Woodland Hills telling him, uh, you have one minute left, you have 40 seconds left. He would wrap it up, they go to commercial. And then he didn't have to do anything until it came back around because he had someone answering the phone and filling that out for him. He had somebody setting up and, and getting uh, getting them live and going to commercial and coming back to commercial. He had his technical staff there at the Twit Studios taking care of those things. There was somebody else making sure the chat room was up and running and going. He had people uh, taking the video feeds of which he had at least six different video feeds in front of him, switching back and forth between him and everything else that was going on. The chat room was there all the time for him to be able to see. He just had to sit there. And I think about us doing these podcasts, especially when you're doing a lot of audio like we are. There's a lot of callers coming in uh, right now for you, Mark, with, with me and Steve. When I'm doing video and live video podcasts, I'm switching between different cameras. You're just one person. So we don't have that luxury. And it sure is nice to be able to do that, but it takes time to figure all of those things out. And after a while, it becomes a second nature. But the first time I sat down and tried to do a video podcast live with switching between cameras, I, I was losing myself in which keyboard and right. which mouse and which piece. It became very, very difficult. But now I just sit down at second nature. Yeah, we, we have a question from the chat room is just what specifically are some of the tasks? And you you just mentioned a, a few of them, but, uh, you know, there are others as well. Steve, I'll let you have your say and then I'll, I'll go. Well, it's like what James said. I, I remember having to switch camera shots, especially when I first went to video. And I hated that 
because I, my attention was on the ca the camera shots and switching shots. And I, I for the first couple months, I said, I have to get someone else to do this so I could just focus on the show. But I didn't get someone else to do it. And I just kept working it and working it. And eventually, it did become second nature, like he said. And it will for anybody who does this. But at first, it was tough for me because uh, I, I wanted to have my attention on the show. So yeah, switching camera shots is one of the things that you need to focus on. Making sure the stream is being broadcasted live and not interrupted. Looking at the chat room every once in a while to see if, if anything's wrong or see what's going on in there. Um, checking your audio, making sure audio is being recorded properly. That is, those are the main things I can think of now. What else? What am I missing? Well, you got to watch the clock. You got to make sure that you're uh, staying on task. You've got a set of notes that you need to cover. You have a basic time span that you want to cover those notes in. So you've got to have that mental clock going in your head that we've got about six minutes we can spend on this topic and a little more. And of course, you vary that, but that all that has to be an active participation part. You don't want a podcast to drone on for two and a half hours. I mean, we we joke on this show that this tends to be one of our longest ones, but you know, an hour and a half or so, and that's about it. And and uh, it's not obvious, at least I hope it's not obvious, but I am pacing the show uh, as we go, you know, and I'm moving different topics and I'm sending cues to the guys, uh, you know, when we're, we have our own private chat there that we use. And, and so I'll, I'll tell them what's going on when I have, when I'm recording other uh, shows, sometimes I'm not the host of the show, but I'm just the producer. So I'm sending them notes like what uh, James was talking about that uh, Scott Wilkinson was getting. I'm the guy sending those notes saying, all right, you've got, you know, you're about 25 minutes in here. You might want to start considering this transition here. And then you've got to formulate, you've got to listen to what's being said and even listen to what you're saying and figure out how you're going to tie that into the next topic. So there's, there's this real-time formulation going on. Plus, you're reading the chat room. You're trying to uh, ingest all of that, uh, find a way to work in the question that you're going to uh, answer and and you got to work all that like right now i'm looking at uh, uh three different computers uh with three different keyboards and my mixer board and my uh backup recorder and the uh, uh i'm watching you stream i'm watching the audacity thing i'm making sure the levels don't peak there if somebody gets a little loud or whatever i back that down uh so there's there's a lot going on that you don't really think about until you actually start doing this even if you take the video out of it anytime there's more than one person somebody's got to be driving the bus and so that's that's the producer and it, it's awesome if you can be a uh, a host with and have a separate producer but right. most of the time that's not going to be the case you're the host slash producer right well you do a lot mark i think you do a, do a lot more than i did for each show <laughs> all right <laughs> i'll tell you what saved my butt and it was is the best tool ever for a multitasking podcaster or podcast producer it's a program called synergy yes do you do you use it yeah, I'm, I don't use it, uh, but I am certainly familiar with it. It allows you to use one keyboard and mouse to control several computers on your network, and it is my control. It is the way I drive my show. Right. It's free, too. Free program. It is, and cross-platform. Yes. Okay, so other than uh, multitasking, uh, the, the you have to be comfortable speaking as you think. You've got to be able to talk off the cuff, uh, particularly when you're doing an interview or you're dealing with other people. You can't control what they're going to say. You can you can have your notes as meticulous as you want. You could script every word you're going to say, but you never know what the other person is going to say. So you have to be able to, uh, you know, to think as you speak. And that's difficult. And that's where you get the, a lot of ums and ahs and pauses is because people are processing their words as they're speaking their words. And that, that latency develops there, just like we were talking about audio interfaces. There's an audio interface between your brain and the mic, too. And uh, sometimes some latency can develop there. 
definitely. I think that's one of those things you also have to kind of get used to doing as well. Um, it, it, one of those things where the, you take a topic and now talk about that topic for five minutes. And it's not something that's simple to do. A lot of people like to, to keep training themselves to do more and more and more of that. There are certainly uh, Toastmasters is a good example of a place where you can learn the public speaking side of it. I think the more comfortable you are public speaking, even though I'm in a room by myself talking to a microphone, you really are doing that public speaking. You're doing exactly the same thing that you would do in front of a group of people or in front of another person. You're just doing it into a microphone and doing it to those people through that particular medium. And I think that as you get more comfortable in doing that, your podcasts flow a lot better. You can think more about what other people are saying to you and you can react to that because I think that's an important part of an interview process. And it's one where you just have to keep going and keep training yourself on how to do that better and better. And the better you get at it, the, the easier you make it look. So you can do more stuff and you can make it uh, look easier. And so, you know, somebody might ask, like, you know, Rateo in the chat room says, you know, what are the tasks? You know, I, I, I assume implicit in that is I don't hear that you guys are doing much. It just sounds like you're having a conversation. That's good. That's the way we want it to be. But the fact is we're doing a lot of stuff in the background. Yeah. And like you guys said, the more you do it, the better you get trained. And this is something that can be trained. Basically, the goal you're going for in this is to be able to sit there comfortably no matter what anybody says to you and be able to answer them comfortably back. And that can be accomplished. One of the, the first jobs um, that were, I really had to talk to people in a, a very particular way was one where I was a company spokesperson. And one of the first jobs I got was um, I'm, I'm at a trade show. There's, there's a press release that's come out and it was my job to talk to the press. This is my first time I'm talking to the trade press. I'm in the taxi. I have notes with me because I want to go through all the talking points. And I have my notes and they're on the phone and it's my first time. And he asked me a question and I dropped my notes and I can't find them and I don't know where I am. And it was a qualified disaster, just a horrible, horrible experience. And I hung up with that person um, at the trade magazine and I called my boss and I said, you know what? I suck pretty good right now. That was <laughs> awful. That was miserable. <laughs> and she said, you know, you're, you're going to get better at this. This is something you just have to figure out. Right. And uh, th that was a great job to have because all I did was go from city to city to city to city and speak in front of people. And it's one of those things that, uh, you know, I think I can think back on that horrible experience now that, okay, I've gotten at least a little bit better now because the more you do it, the more comfortable you get and the easier it comes for you. Yeah, so annoyance in the chat room asked the question, when you're first starting out, should you do fake podcast? Uh, and there's really two answers to that, yes and no. Uh, you know, when you do a stage production or when you're in a band, you do rehearsals uh, and you practice what you're going to do before you do it. And and that's that's certainly something you could do. And you can, you know, you can work on your patter, particularly if you have a co-host that you're going to be with. You can certainly do that sort of thing uh, ahead of time. But there is no uh, better teacher than actually doing it. So yeah. you, you can rehearse, but then you'll probably find that your rehearsal only helps a little bit. I agree. Yeah. I, I like kind of winging it and just uh, jumping into the fire there. You just, you learn real quick. You get that moment of exhilaration slash nervousness, get it over with, and then you're doing all right. But, but going back to what James said real quick, um, he said he, we, when he made that call, he, he thought he did a really bad job. Here's what happened to me. And I, I've, I noticed this as I do my own shows. 
you, if you think you do a really bad show, it's probably only a fraction as bad as what you think. I mean, people usually have a bad opinion of how, what, how good of a job they did. But that if you go back and listen to yourself, you say, wow, I did pretty good. So I recommend going back and listening to your shows, no matter how nervous you are about how you sound or if you don't like the sound of your voice. I don't care. This is quality assurance, so you have to do it. Go back and listen to your shows, and it'll actually cheer you up because I'm sure you guys are doing a better job than what you think you're doing. Yeah, and don't ever let anybody hassle you about listening to your own shows. You should listen to your own stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've been in I've been in bands uh, all my life. We listen to our own music, you know, all the time. Uh, you know, uh, performers who do stage performers performances all get together after the performance and watch a video of the show. It's not a, a vanity thing. It's a it's a it's a learning thing. You correct and you move on. So yeah, you should, should always do that. I think. Yep. Uh, and the next thing that I have that sort of goes in with what we've been talking about is flexible. You've got to be able, if you are a uh, a Rain Man type person, you're going to have a harder time anytime other people are involved because people huh. are are um, unpredictable by their very nature. Even the most dependable people, or and technology is going to fail. That's a hundred. The only thing that you can be sure about technology, hundred percent of the time, is that it will fail. Uh, so we are dealing with people and technology, two things that are entirely unpredictable. <laughs> and so if you're a person who has to have everything laid out and mapped out, you're going to have to learn to get over that. Oh, yeah. You nailed it. Computers are crazy, and pe some people are too. And it, it's, you're just going to run into that stuff as you do your show. It's, you're going you're gonna to learn it the hard way. I agree. Yeah, I mean, be patient, you know, be flexible. It will pay off. Enjoy yourself. If you feel like you're just too tense the whole time, relax and enjoy yourself. Podcasting should be fun. Right. If it's not fun, stop doing it. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, James, anything on that one? The one thing, and it's not really in our show notes, but one thing about being No, I'm flexible. sorry. You have to stick with the notes. We have notes. Oh, never mind. You can't I deviate from the notes. Don't you understand? You, you threw me earlier on when you said this was actually a real podcast. I thought this was a fake podcast. So, so much for that. Um, one of the things about flexibility that I found has been really helpful when I do things like interviews or I'm in a roundtable discussion that I'm leading is I is something that seems obvious, which is to listen to what someone is saying. Uh, it's very often I will start with one question and I think I know where this is going to go. And it turns out the answer leads us in a completely different direction. And I'll end up doing 10 minutes with this person talking about a subject that I had no idea we were going to talk about. That flexibility can help you a lot when doing podcasting. Yeah, you're stealing some some content from later on in the show, but that's one of the things I like to call chasing rabbits. And that's some of the best uh, podcasting, some of the best radio. I, I, I don't refer to it as podcasting. I go to radio. Uh, is when you chase a rabbit, because that means you've sparked a passion and you've sparked an interest there. And so deviate from the norms. Absolutely. Chase those rabbits because they can be really interesting. You, you, you find out where the rabbit hole goes. Uh, and then if you can circle back, fine. If you have to cut large chunks of, of what you were planning to do out, that's fine too, because it was probably better than what you were planning. Yeah, that's you know what you guys are saying right there. That makes a good podcast. And there's so many benefits to doing that. Like you say, chasing rabbits. Number one, your guest who is you know originating this content knows that you're listening to him because all of your, your follow-up questions are based off what he just said or the topic he's talking about. So he really gets into it. Um, and then you're both having just a really great conversation and you're just listening to each other and it, it, 
really transfers into a good show that's enjoyable to listen to. So definitely do that. I highly recommend that too. Yeah. And if you're bored doing a show, your audience is bored listening to that show. <laughs> good point. Uh, and so then the next thing we had to list in the, in the skills is, is be organized. Uh, so that, you know, those two things go, uh, they seem sort of counterproductive, right? You got to be flexible, but you got to be organized. Um, but that it's like when you, when you're a musician and you're learning to play jazz, first you have to learn the rules so that you know how to break them, you know? So you learn playing classical stuff that teaches you the rules and then you learn how to break them and that's called jazz. Uh, and that's, that's what we, we do here. You prepare, you plan, you organize, you have everything laid out, but then you got to be flexible and be willing to throw away all your planning but you'll find that the planning helped you, even though you're you're may not necessarily be following it. it. Was one of the things I think when I was starting out doing this, and, and mine was again the live video talking to the camera. I did everything completely scripted, down to the letter on a teleprompter, and I would read the teleprompter. And of course, I spent a lot of time putting together the text that I wanted. And maybe that's something some people can try to do, but you have to make sure that you're writing that text in a way that is normal speaking. You don't want it to sound like you are reading from a sheet of paper when you are saying those things, but you do want to have at least the things that you want to say. And eventually, and, and I say eventually, it took probably a year or more until I finally realized, you know, this whole reading from the teleprompter thing is not giving me the the flexibility. It was way too organized. And, and again, I ran into the same problem when I had all those notes in the back of the taxi in New York City and they fell on the floor and I lost the whole train of thought. That organization was important for me to know what I was going to talk about, but I should have already thought about putting them to the side and doing everything just with a couple of bullet points and just talking to whatever we wanted to do. There's a point where you get too organized and you find that sweet spot and you'll be perfect. Yeah, I agree. I'm not the most organized person. I'm definitely not as organized as Mark is in making these notes. So if you're kind of like me, don't worry about it. You don't have to get every, every, detailed nailed down to the finest point just at least at least have a general outline and follow that and that's something good to have which i did um but yeah any type of organization is better than no organization yeah i had to learn early on that uh, uh james was going to contribute a little steve's wasn't going to contribute much uh to the notes and and you just <laughs> i had to be okay with that that was part of my flexibility uh but they contribute a lot once we turn the mics on if you want me to put contribute, I put two things in the notes this week, Mark. <laughs> no, that's right. Two things out of several dozen. <laughs> that's an improvement of 200%. <laughs> that's right. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just the different styles. It's the, the way people uh, interact. And and the next thing that, uh, uh, that ties right into that is you've got to be a people person. Even if you're a one-man host... And, and I've, uh, I mean, a one-man show, and I've, I've counseled against that before. I don't like one-man shows in general, and I, I don't think you should do one. But assuming you do, you still have people who are listening, right? So there are always people involved in the process. It's not a vacuum because you, you, you produce this for other people. So being a people person, understanding what people, how people think helps a great deal. Uh, particularly doing an interview, it's helpful if you know what somebody was trying to say, not necessarily what they did say, and you go with that. You know, thinking uh, from my perspective, it's almost the opposite scenario. Most of the content I create is just me. There is no other person. 
So I even have to go a little bit further in making sure that what I am saying, how I am communicating to the camera, what I'm saying into the microphone is connecting with that person who is on the other side. And, and I think it doesn't stop with your podcast. We're talking here really about the way you act in front of the microphone or in front of the camera, but it doesn't stop there. You really need to take those same ideas and put them into your chat room, put them into your posts on Facebook and on Google plus, put them into your tweets and all of those other things that you're doing so that you can create that connection to be that people person. Absolutely. Yeah. If, if you're, if you're not a people person, you don't really like people that much. Yeah. It's going to be a tough, it's going to be a tough ride for uh, being a podcaster. There, there are one man. I started Podnuts Daily as a one man show, not because I didn't like people. I just didn't have any guests lined up at that point. And uh, it's doable. It's doable. But then Podnuts Daily turned into a two, uh, a, a show that I brought on guests and it turned out to be a better show. So, right. Yeah. And that's what I say. Yeah. Every time I say that, I get some feedback from somebody doing a one man show and they're saying, see, I'm doing it. Are you saying I'm not doing it right? No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying I don't recommend it. I don't like to listen to one man shows. I don't like to put on one man shows. It's always going to be better if there, if there's somebody else there to bounce your ideas off of. Maybe that somebody else is the chat room and then it's not really a one man show. Right. Um, so you know that I'm I'm going to say this, and I'm going to get more feedback again, and people are going to say, you know, I, I, you're wrong. You can do a one man show. You can do a one man show. Absolutely. I just, you're, just stating, I, I would, you're just stating your opinion. Right. Cool. I I would say that I I wish in many ways that the training courses that I did that is just me talking was not necessarily a one man show. And I, one of the things that I do every month is I do a series of study groups where I sit down in front of the camera and do a live stream for an hour on a particular topic. And I don't think of that as a one man show because I am constantly using the chat room. I'm constantly talking about what they're saying. I'm using interactive Q and a techniques. I've got a software that I use where I can ask a question and people can tweet in their answer or they can go to a web page and put their answer. And we can see in real time as people are interactively answering these questions on the screen. And that's one of the ways I've gotten around that being stuck in that one man only category and kind of expanded it out a little bit. That's pretty smart. That's a, that's a real clever way of doing it. Uh, and then the next thing on our list is is you have to be well spoken. You have to have communicative communication skills. Like I just well didn't show there. <laughs> um, uh, if you just if you just don't know how to talk, probably podcasting isn't for you. I think what a lot of people don't understand is that there are mechanics to communication. I mean, have you ever? ask somebody a question or stated something to somebody and then they just didn't answer you pretended like they didn't even hear you you didn't get an answer from them that hangs up communication that so you have to acknowledge your guests and we're going to get into that a little later but there's there's these little pieces of communication that if they aren't in the communication's not going to be smooth um the training i got the first course i ever did in communication was called success through communication it was based off the works of l ron hubbard and that course blew my mind because I just thought communication was what everybody else thought it was, just talking, you know, communicating. But no, there's, there's pieces to communication. And when you figure them out and you master them, not that I have, I'm even close yet, but your communication is much smoother. So, yeah, yeah definitely if you could do some courses, do some courses. 
as I've mentioned before, I have a degree in psychology. That's that's the only thing I'm actually trained in is being a psychologist. And that's all about communication. That's all we do. I spent, you know, uh, my entire in undergraduate career uh, learning to communicate and learning to read cues. And and often what happens in the in the, the, the geek world and, you know, right now, podcasting is the domain of the geek. I don't think it's going to stay that way, but it is for right now. And often geeks don't and haven't learned the mechanics of of communication for whatever reason they're just not good at it and uh, you know the the guy who didn't respond to you is is likely to be an engineer or a mathematician or something like that it's right. not that he wasn't listening it's not that he didn't get it it's not even that he doesn't agree it's just that he didn't know the power of a head nod exactly. and so uh study those things learn those things uh if you are uh, a brilliant uh computer programmer uh, just think of that as another language you've got to learn. You know, you you know Java, you know C, you know uh, Python. No people now. Go learn that language. <laughs> well, nobody expects that a computer programmer will have those particular skills. And in many cases, as you've mentioned, they don't have to have those skills. They're they're programmers. But I know plenty of computer programmers who are great communicators and have training courses that they have done and will speak in front of people. Um, that's just something you learn, as you just mentioned, the same way you learned development, the same way you learned a programming language. Um, Steve had a good point about taking a formal class, and, and I can agree with that. Um, I took a formal presentation class uh, from a company called Decker. And that training was another one of those where they bring you into a room, they show you how to stand, they talk to you about the way to speak, they put you on, they videotape you, and then you watch it. And then they give you pointers about things that you can do differently or things that you can concentrate on when you're planning out these presentations that you're doing. And I think those types of formal sit down and go through a day or two of of those techniques can really really be helpful and if you're ever in a, a situation you're wondering can i can i really make this happen and it's really important to you you may want to look into doing that totally agree yeah just consider that a piece of equipment you know in your studio uh, it's going to cost you a couple hundred bucks for that course you know uh, if you have the choice between buying a another mic and taking that course take the course because that's a tool you need to equip yourself with you're you're upgrading your wetware at that point not necessarily hardware it's one of your most important tools actually yes uh, and then so dovetailing right into that, we'll move on to uh, the sort of the second question that was asked in, in that uh, communication was, how do you conduct an interview? What what are some things that you can do? And and obviously, we've already talked about some of those things, listen and, and chase rabbits and that sort of thing. But the, the interviewing is a skill. It's a different skill set. Communication is a skill set. Interviewing is a different skill set. You have to have one before you can do the other. So uh, in the case of an interview, uh, it is... Uh, it's a, a conversation with a goal. So you have to, it's, it's like mission statement, the phrase that James hates so much. You sort of have, you sort of both go into it with a mission statement. We're going to cover X. This is the information that will be presented. So you use your communication skills to carry on um, that mission. So you have to literally be in your head. One of the, you know, the mental calculations that you're doing is what I'm saying, does, does what I'm saying right now move me toward the goal? Does what the guest is saying right now move us toward the goal? If it does, follow it. If it doesn't, redirect. That's really, that's really good, Mark. Well stated. I mean, it's perfect. That's exactly what you need to do. To keep it interesting, too. 
I don't have much more to add on that. You nailed it, James. Yes, you must communicate well. <laughs> Talk good. Um, and, and you know, uh, one of the things that we've already said is, is listen, 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 listen. You have yeah. to listen to what's being said. Listen to what's coming out of your own mouth. That's, that's some of the hardest listening to do. <laughs> yeah, listening, we can't, it cannot state it enough. It's, and this is something that a lot of people might not be that good at. So um, really, I, I mean, I know I have to, in a lot of my shows, I really have to focus to listen, to make sure I listen to every single thing that, you know, my guest is saying. I might get a little notification on my screen that says I have an email. I may be tempted to go look at that email, <laughs> but resist those temptations, focus, listen to your guest, and you'll have a great interview. This is a skill, I think, that really can serve you well in almost anything that you do. Um, not just podcasting, but working with people at any degree, being able to listen to what they're saying can really, really help you um, in almost any situation. Um, the point was made earlier about listening to yourself, and I think that's an important one, too. The technique that I use when I record my videos is one where I replay every video again during the editing process. Every second of every video I'm listening to again. And in the first videos that I did, I remember making notes about, boy, I'm saying that word an awful lot. I'm saying that particular phrase way too much. And and you you catch things that you're doing that you had no idea you were saying or, or doing during that process. And now after watching it, I realize I need to say that differently. I need to work differently on how I present that. I need to look at the camera in a different way. I need to spend my time doing things a, a different piece. Don't don't miss that opportunity to listen to yourself as well. Good, good stuff. Yeah, it's it's like doing anything. I mean, when I do websites, um, and not that I do tons of them, but the ones I have done, I have to keep going over them and reading them over and over and over again, finding the errors. And you'll find errors and things that you don't like in what you're doing if you go over it enough times. So uh, exactly like what James just said, definitely listen and and change accordingly. And anytime you're dealing with a, a, a guest, uh, less so with a co-host, uh, co-hosts you can uh, build a rapport with and, and you can have, uh, you know, sort of a even antagonistic nature and that can work. Uh, but when you, when you have a guest on, when you have invited somebody on, you have imposed on their time, your number one goal, uh, second to, uh, your, your, wait, let me start over again. Your number one goal is to make them look good. Uh, getting the content out is secondary to that, that that's important, but you need to make them look good. They need to, uh, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, you have decided that they're an expert in the field or whatever. And so you're putting your reputation on the line when you bring them on. So if you bring somebody on and they're boring and they come off like a jerk, that reflects not just on you poorly, but, uh, them poorly, but on you because you didn't choose very well. You chose a bad guest. So it's incumbent on you and your brand to make them look good secondly it puts them at ease it makes them more willing to come back and it uh, you know the word spreads you know this guy does a good job it's a, a professional sort of thing it's it's a very pleasant time so I, I would say that is even more important than getting good information out and that is making the guests look good good point definitely james anything it's difficult for me to comment on this one because I don't do any podcasts or any other things where I have guests on. Um, the only other one I have that I do with another person, I do with my wife. And uh, 
quite honestly, of course, she's awesome and she uh, can do no wrong. And I, um, it, and I will make her look as good as absolutely she can. And of course, she's perfect. So, right. Um, there's there's Clearly. not a lot of, of wiggle room there. But um, perhaps someday I'll have other people on. I can I can start doing some of those things. But you know, the other shows that I do that have regular co-hosts, uh, you you focus less on that. You know, in fact, uh, on the the show, the Taiwan Tech that I do, uh, my host Sean and I, we we pick at each other a lot, uh, and and we we laugh at each other, we make fun of each other. That's not making each other look good. You know, that's pointing out flaws and making fun of each other. But once you've established that rapport, the audience accepts that as that's just good natured ribbing, and that's okay. And in fact, you, I'm pretty mean to him, and that's sort of become our shtick. Uh, we're not like that in in reality, but that's sort of what we've developed on the show. Is uh, for some reason people like to uh, think of him as the underdog and me as the as the evil overlord and so we play with that and we go with that and you can do that but i would never do that to a guest on the show when somebody comes on they are you know the king for an hour yeah uh, just absolutely. as a as an aside there if your co-host is your wife perhaps the picking that's <laughs> is perhaps not your best line of attack <laughs> yeah that changes all the rules yeah, that if you if you do what Mark just said, your guests will have a great time. They'll want to come back, and they'll know that they gave a they gave a good interview and feel good about themselves. I mean, the last guest I had on Podnuts Daily at the end of the interview, he's like, I just really wanted to say, Steve, thank you for, you know, I'm he's like, I'm happy that you showed me respect, like, in because this this was just a kid coming up through through the ranks doing computer repair, just opened his shop, and I had him on the show, and I and like I. Mark said, I treated him like a king, like he was the man for this show. And we had a great interview. We had a great talk. It was enjoyable. And uh, he ended up looking great. So, yeah, that's that's a real smooth way to operate. Cool. And the next one that was one that you put in the notes. Uh, and we, we've sort of talked about this already, the chasing rabbits and the following the scripts. Uh, but did you have anything else you want to say on that one, Steve? No, that, that was pretty much it. Like, listen to your guests. When they say something that interests you, ask a question about it. My best interviews and shows are when, I think, when the guest says something and I'm very, personally, I'm very interested in what he's talking about and I just start asking questions that I would ask if we were on the air or not. And as it turns out, when you do that, the questions that you ask your guest are the questions that most of the people listening to the show or live in the chat room wanted to ask the guest too. It right. just works out that way. I've gotten that so many times where they say, you know, you asked that guy exactly what I was thinking and exactly what I wanted to ask him. It's because you were just in on the conversation and you were having a good time and interested in it. So uh, that goes a long way. Yeah, and, and another thing that sort of goes right in that is, uh, again, using my psychology degree here, is what we call active listening. You know, what Steve was talking about, the guy who you ask him a question he didn't acknowledge in any way, simple things like an uh-huh and a yeah uh, can go uh -huh. a long way in, uh -huh. in, in greasing the process. James uh -huh. does that a lot, uh -huh. uh, and he's, you know, he's, he's playing it up right now. But if you go back and listen to the shows, uh, he says that a lot. Uh, he, he's, he's signifying, I am listening. And I'm with you and I'm following. I understand what you're saying. And if you don't understand, don't fake it. You know, stop somebody and say, well, well that didn't make sense to me. Uh, listening is an active process. And, and when you do that, when you actively listen to people, it makes things go better. So you do tease out that information that might have been ignored otherwise because you, you – and, and be willing to totally stop a conversation and, and go someplace else. Because if you don't understand what's being said, the odds are your listening audience doesn't either. Totally. 
Totally. Yeah, acknowledgements are huge. It it lets the person know he's being listened to and it makes him feel at comfort and at ease and willing to continue talking. So when you do acknowledge, make sure it's an appropriate acknowledgement. Like if he just says, yeah, my dog died the other day and you just go, great, because you weren't really listening, but you wanted to just acknowledge, it, it's not going to work for you. So they have to be appropriate acknowledgements and they happen when you actually are listening to your guests. And you can tell when somebody's not paying attention. You know, we we picked on Leo Laporte earlier, but sometimes you can tell that he's actually been talking to the UPS man for like, like the last five minutes while the conversation yeah. was going on, and he comes <laughs> back in and he says something that uh, you know is is either very generic or entirely inappropriate. Um, and you know, audiences pick up on that, and guests certainly pick up on that. Oh, totally, totally. Anything you got to say about that one, James? Huh? Yeah. Okay. So- <laughs> <laughs> and so the the next thing this isn't really a skill set but it's more of a mindset and that is try to to listen with the ear of a listener um when you're interviewing somebody and again we're talking about the interview process you are an advocate for your listener so even if it's something you already know i do this all the time when when steve and james are saying something that i know and have known for years, I will stop and ask them a question about it that I think is a question somebody else will hear. I'm, I'm advocating for the listener. Um, so it doesn't matter if you know it, and you may even know it better than what was just said. You, you have to advocate for your listener. You have to say, uh, you have to ask questions you don't, that, you don't, that you already know. You have to uh, assume that people have a different point of view from you. They don't have the same experience that you do. And so you have to listen, uh, you have to talk like a listener and listen like a listener and, and something with words that sound better than what I'm saying. <laughs> it makes sense. I get what you're saying. Yeah, and you got to get over the fact that you might think you know it all and you don't you don't have to show that in every show that you are the brain that you think you are i mean ask questions that your listeners would ask even though it might seem to your your listeners that you don't know the answer to that even though you do i mean it's you just gotta take it down a couple notches and just do what mark said it's good advice if you if you want to get a good example of that, you know, we've talked a little bit about Leo and I went to the Tech Guy show, but when Leo is hosting his Tech Guy show, he's really good at that. Someone will call in and obviously this is a call-in show to over 100 affiliates. It's the consumers that are calling in about questions about why their computer is slow or where their antivirus doesn't work or what should they get as an external hard drive. And he will redirect the question before he starts just answering the question, which us as technical people love to do. Let me just answer your question for you. He takes a step back and says, let me explain to you first why this particular question is so important or or why this particular topic is one that's on the top of mind for most people. And then he explains it in a way that everybody can understand. And then he answers the question. And I think that redirection of let's make sure everybody is on the same page is helpful because certainly Leo knows all of those things. And a lot of people listening to him don't know what it is, but a lot of people don't who's listening to him. And I think that's an important part that he does that. It doesn't bother us who know, but it brings everybody up to speed on what you should know at that time. And it's even better because if he says something you disagree with, you get to yell at the radio. Say, no, that was bad advice. And so that's that's added value to the know-it-alls in the audience. <laughs> yeah, he is he is really good at that, what James just said. He he's like the master of that, actually. Except when he does say that that cosmic rays might might cause that hard drive failure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But uh, and and something that just came to my mind as I was listening to the to the three of us talk, uh, you you need to develop a sense of timing when you speak. Uh, when you listen to podcasts and there are large gaps of silence where people uh, didn't know what to say, that that goes along with with thinking as you speak. But but you'll notice listening back to this show. And, and, and now, now that I've mentioned it, you'll be listening from now on, is there are almost never gaps between uh, what we say. Because uh, right now, James is thinking of what he's going to say as soon as I finish. Now, he's still listening to what I'm saying, but he's also formulating his response to it. And as soon as the appropriate pause comes, he's going to jump right in there. And sometimes I will give a false cue accidentally, and he thinks I'm done, and he starts talking. And so you get people, and then talking, all, okay. right, you get people talking over each other. And, and that's actually preferred to silence. It's better to have people talking over each other because then at least it seems like an engaged show. In the show, the, there's a pace to it. And the listener kind of feels like things are moving on. And there's almost an excitement that builds when that happens. When there are long spans in between statements, when people don't know uh, what to say next, it really kills the flow of a show. It's sometimes hard to do this from a technical perspective, of course, because there is a delay when you're working with Skype. There's a delay. If somebody's on a mobile phone, it becomes even harder because mobile phones have horrible latency associated with them, has to go up to the tower, has to come back down to you. Um, there, there's a delay associated with it. If somebody's on a landline, it's much faster. And you almost have to get a, a flow going with the people that you're communicating with. If you do it a lot with those same people, it helps a little bit. If it's somebody who's a guest, you may not have the ability to do that. Sometimes technology gets in your way. Right. Good point. And if there are big gaps that happen to ha occur in your show, even if you don't like editing like me, it's worth your time to go and edit out those big gaps and just uh, tighten it up a bit so the conversation runs a little smoother. Absolutely. And, and, and what you probably know, this is our 11th show. So Stephen and James and I have done 10 shows previously, and each of us have done shows separately before. So uh, James and Steve have done a couple of shows, and, and Steve and I have done a couple of shows. And so we all sort of knew each other before we started. And, and like James was talking about, that pattern develops after a while. These guys now have, have gotten a sense of my rhythm. They know when I'm gonna, uh, when I'm, what I'm going to say more or less, and they get a sense of when I'm going to stop. And so you know, you'll notice there at the, the last thing I said – like the, the millisecond I finished talking, James jumped right in because he knew that was coming. And that's a skill. That's a soft skill. It's not really something you can go somewhere and learn. Uh, there's, not, there's not a Dale Carnegie class that can teach you that. It's just the, the process of being really active and intentional in your listening, and you'll learn that skill. You'll develop that over time. Awkward pause. <laughs> now he just did that on purpose. Yeah, I know. I knew that was happening. <laughs> Uh, you set us up, Mark. Yes, I, I fully expected that. <laughs> um, oh, and then the one other point is review key points often. Always be willing to go back and repeat something, especially if you think it's important or if you had maybe if you had difficulty teasing it out the first time, circle back and, and hit it again. Uh, I always like to sum up at the end of every show, just a quick, you know, just a 30 second summary of the stuff that we've talked about, uh, because that that helps uh, cement the information in the mind of your listener and they will feel more educated when they walk away. No, that is a good point. I, I don't I don't do that too much. I got to I'm taking all this in, Mark. It's good stuff. <laughs> there is a, a line of thought that some um, people have said, and, and you, if you're in education or you're 
in a position where you're doing a lot of training, one of those things they always talk about is tell people what you're going to tell them, then tell them what you're going to tell them, and then explain again, summarize what you just told them. Um, and I and I've I read a, a a study recently. It wasn't a study; it was an article recently, and maybe it wasn't recently. Maybe it was a year ago. Maybe it was two years ago. Maybe I never read it. But anyway, what it said was that um, don't do that necessarily. That isn't always the best way to do it. You're over explaining everything isn't necessarily going to help at all with the pre-telling and the telling and the post-telling. But you do need to find that mix somewhere in between of how can I make sure that the audience grasps the idea that I'm trying to get across to them and, and hitting on those key points is going to be an important part of that. Like, for example, in, in last week's episode, we spent a lot of time on um, analog, uh, digital to analog recorders. Because that's something that not a lot of people talk about. And I kept making Steve go back. And I kept asking him questions from the listener standpoint. I was asking him stuff I already knew. But the point was to drive that home. Because everybody thinks of, of analog to digital, getting stuff into the computer. People don't think about getting stuff out of the computer in a clean way. So that was one of those times when, when I kept going back to it. And when I was listening back to the show later, it almost seemed annoying like i had you know was i had a rain man glitch and i kept coming back to it but my point at the time was because I, I wanted to, to emphasize uh, a point that is unusual or unique yeah that i i know what you mean that, and that was an unusual point so I, that was a good job um i think and also on on this point of getting your your the audience to understand you there's one point that i have to bring up that i think is super key as far as keeping your listeners' interest, keeping them interested in your show. And that's not to use words that they don't understand because the fastest way to lose a listener is to say something they don't understand. They will zone out. They'll go up, go to the bathroom. They'll go get something to eat. They'll do something, but they will not be into your show anymore. People will zone out, fall asleep, become disinterested when you start speaking over their head. So again, uh, kind of reel it in. We all know we're all very smart <laughs> but if you you don't you don't if you don't think your listeners going to understand some of the words or terms that you're using then def either define them or use simpler terms it's, i often get grief about using big words uh i did something i do naturally i'm not trying to show off i use big words and yeah i, I catch i catch grief about that sean calls me on that often <laughs> well it's it's cool if you know the words and you're using them properly that's great but it just it's just a manifestation of somebody not understanding something to zone out right it's just my i run into this problem a lot because i'm doing training videos on very technical topics this uh, one of the recent ones i did was a security training course where you're talking about these very very detailed concepts of database injections and man in the middle and buffer overflows and how do you take something that is an extremely complex topic and break it out in a way that everybody can understand and that's something you have to spend time doing or as as you just said you'll just lose them right off the right out of the gate they'll not even listen to you not only that time they won't even listen to you ever again because they know they're not going to be able to follow you yeah, I just got what James just said there. I just got to go look all those things up now. <laughs> <laughs> I have some videos you can watch. <laughs> okay, good. I know a guy, Steve. I know a guy <laughs> who can help you out with that. Awesome. 
Uh, that's that's all my notes. Did you guys have anything else that you thought of in the process of of the discussion? I don't think so. I think we covered it pretty well. I'm out of anything in, the, anything in the chat room that was being brought up? I don't think so. Uh, uh, Rateo did uh, make a, a comment about uh, being the king of pretending what he knows what he's talking about. Don't do that. It's, <laughs> it's okay to be dumb. It really is. That is the most humanizing thing you can be to an audience. That's um, why I'm so successful, guys. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and, and there's an art, there's a smart art to sounding dumb and getting away with it. Uh, I did want to point out that, um, you know, we had our audio interfaces talk last week. Steve is using an entirely different setup this week, different mic than he usually uses, different uh, preamp that he usually uses. And I just wanted to draw attention to that because the quality is pretty much just as good. And you might not have noticed if I didn't say something about it. Yeah, I'm actually using the Focusrite 2i2 tonight and a Shure SM58 mic. For two reasons. One, I just wanted to try something different. And secondly, I could, I'm sitting on my, able to sit on my couch and do this show. And it's, I'm very comfortable. Yeah. So he bought the, uh, the, the mic and the, uh, converter for less than I paid for the mic I'm using. Right. <laughs> yeah. You can. The, the box is 150 and the mic is between 175 in that range. And, uh, you got a, a great sounding setup right there. So uh, I wanted to mention that the the SM58 is a, a workhorse uh, mic, and for a good reason. It sounds good. Yeah, it's tried and true. Proven. All right. So let's move on to the stuff you learned this week. And I'm going to start because I changed mine just minutes ago. I had something I was going to talk about, but the course of this conversation uh, reminded me that I, I should do something else. Um, and that is, it's... It's, it's advice, and it's something I learned at the same time. Use video whenever possible. Even if you're not going to broadcast the video, being able to see your hosts uh, gives you that extra level of communication. Uh, James is not on video last, uh, the, tonight, and I missed it. I, it. I don't see what he's thinking. I don't see uh, – when you get to know somebody, you can see their read their facial expressions. You, you can know uh, when, when they're about to say something or, or what it even might be by are they nodding or are they scowling? Do they disagree? And so even if you're not going to broadcast the video, if you're not going to record the video, I highly recommend you know that you do Skype with video or Google Hangout like we're doing just so that you can see your hosts uh, and your guests. It makes the entire interaction much more uh, natural plus with google hangout you could put on fake mustaches and hats and stuff too and that's a bonus absolutely <laughs> so right now james could totally be asleep and i wouldn't know it he's not saying anything we don't hear him we can't <laughs> see him so i don't know and he's he's going to not say anything just to prove <laughs> a point <laughs> yeah sort of sort of kind of my uh, lesson of the week was uh, what I took away from this visit that I did to Twit Studios. The uh, the studios themselves have every high-end podcaster's toy that you would ever want with uh, multiple video systems. You have cameras everywhere. There is the perfect lighting, LED lighting and fluorescent lighting with exactly the right kind of settings on them. There is the accent lighting. Um, the the audio in the place is fantastic with multiple sets set up. But ultimately, as I was sitting there watching the show, ultimately it came down to a guy talking into a microphone. That was the show. And even after all these other things wrapped around it, ultimately that's all you need. 
you need a way to get your voice into the computer and be able to do something with it. So we talk all the time about which audio interface and and doing all of these different techniques and using this type of hardware. And you can have this very, very complex and very involved system to get your audio and your video to your listeners. But this could also be very, very simple, as literally as simple as plugging in a very inexpensive microphone directly into your computer and getting it out that way. There many a podcast has been done with a person and a mic and a computer and you're off to the races. That's a good point. Yeah, the equipment is not going to make you. I mean, that's not what's going to make your show. It's the content and you, the podcaster. So, And if anything, the equipment just makes it easier on you. If you're using cheap, bad equipment, it's more work to make it sound good. Better equipment is less work. But you can turn out really high-quality stuff. You can compete with the the best podcasts you know, the, out there with, with almost nothing. It just takes a little more effort. Yeah. And in fact, I often listen to some of the quote unquote best podcast out there and think, man, that sounds really bad. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard like, um, I, I'm, I'm, I won't name any shows, but I've heard of some shows. I haven't listened to them personally that they just throw a mic in the middle of a room and they all sit around a couch and talk into it. And it just sounds like echoey and bad. And yeah, and those are some big time shows. So painful. It's crazy. Yeah, there's, there's one show, I don't even remember. I'm not being protective. I just don't remember. But it's put on by like the National Education Association. A big multi-million dollar organization puts this thing on. And their audio is so bad that I listened to half of one episode and never listened again. The content that they were talking about was really good, but I just couldn't listen to it because yep. it was so badly done. Yep. I know and I've listened to shows like that too. Yeah, and they probably had 10 times the equipment I have, just they didn't put the, the effort into doing it right. Right. Okay, uh, Steve, what is your lesson you learned this week? Well, I think it's a good idea because a lot of us work hard and probably put in a lot of hours into the day and possibly stay up real late at night and don't get enough sleep. Now, I just want to say that sleep is good. Sleep is important. Sleep will make you more efficient. It will make you make less mistakes. And it's something that our body needs. <laughs> so no, my recommendation is get get rested. Make sure you're rested. It will make your shows a lot better if you're not drop dead tired. You'll be able to think more clearly. And uh, it's just a good thing to do for yourself. Yeah. I think we've all experienced that uh, weird situation there where um, you've got a deadline to meet and the work isn't done, but you're so tired, you're not getting any work done. Right. So you're just spinning your wheels and, and 11 o'clock turns to 12 o'clock, turns to one o'clock, turns to two o'clock, and you haven't done anything more than you did at 11 o'clock. Whereas <laughs> if you had just laid down and taken a nap for two hours, you could have gotten up and finished it and been done. Definitely. That's exactly what I, what I was trying to say there. Anybody who's ever gone to college has experienced that, what I just said. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Big time. Any other uh, last bits of wisdom before we wrap it up, guys? Hmm. No. I think it was a good show. All right. I'll simply say one more time, happy birthday, Steve. Oh, thanks. Mark. And so uh, let's uh, talk about where people can find you and your great stuff. And we'll start with uh, you, James. 
I can be found at professormesser.com for all of your IT training needs and for a um, the video podcast I do with my best half is at whataweekpodcast.com. Very good. And Steve? Well, if you want to see some videos on how I do podcasting, how I built my podcasting network, how I built my studio, and pretty much everything I know and learned about podcasting, um, I created a video series called How to Podcast Like a Pro. It's at howtopodcast.biz. You can pick it up there. It's instantly downloadable. Hopefully, I'll have some DVDs coming for that soon, but we'll see. But uh, I think you guys will enjoy it. Awesome. And uh, if you... uh want to find where I do podcasting, elementop.com is the place for that. If you want to find how to barbecue, go to markcockerel.com and read my blog or or follow me on Twitter. And Ooh, I'm see, going there now. You'll see all sorts of posts about food. That seems to be what I'm uh, with this this uh, at this season of my life. I, uh, in fact, just this week, I, I, I smoked two different meals, which anybody who's ever done that knows it takes a while. It's a seven, eight, ten hour process. And I did it uh, both days this weekend. So it just... I enjoy it, and I post that stuff like that on Twitter and on, on uh, Facebook, and you can find me there, Mark Cockrell. Um, but for podcasting stuff, elementopi.com, and coming soon, the podcast handbook, a complete guide to podcasting um, sometime in the near future. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote two chapters recently. I've got a little bit more to go. But yeah, just want to get that out there. Uh, podcastnoob.net is where, or .com or .org or .info. I got them all. <laughs> They'll be there eventually. Just not there yet. Awesome. And Looking so, to that. having said all of that, I will simply say now that that ends this episode of The Art of Podcasting.